0: This is the Impact Church Podcast. Here at Impact, we believe a powerful word at the right time can
1: help you overcome any challenges you are facing. Wherever you are listening or whatever you're going through, we pray this message speaks exactly to your need. Enjoy. All right, we're going to jump in this morning to the real stuff, to the meat. And um, and if you have a physical Bible, feel free to open to Jeremiah 29. You already heard the memory verse for the week, and it comes from today's message. I was preparing for the sermon, and I was thinking about... I told you all the story when we got hired how we moved from New York. This is going on 28 years now. I can't believe that much time was flown. And, um, and how we got jobs. But what I didn't tell you the last time is that when we came, it was such a tight weekend because... We went on interviews on a Friday and a Monday and flew back so we can be back at work. We were both teaching for New York City public schools. And, um, but while we were here, a friend of a friend, who became a friend down the road, uh, took us around and helped us to see some of the neighborhoods and places that we might be able to purchase a home. Well, Pastor Mona had grabbed, we went through several subdivisions, Pastor Mona grabbed one of those flyers, um, you know, when it says for sale and they had the little flyers there. And so when we got back home, she made some calls. And, um, and so they said, well, this house, yeah, this house is still available. Yeah, da da, da, da. And it's brand new. We, didn't, we never saw the inside of the house. We, we just drove past it. And we, we didn't even know all that was to it. But what the gentleman said is that's the last house in the subdivision. And um, if you want it, you need to put it under the contract because it's going to go, you know. And so uh, we did that. And who does that without seeing something, right? So we put the, ha- <laughs> so we put the house on the contract. We said, well, when we come back the next time, we'll, you know, be for sure if we're going to purchase this house. So we came back the next time we came in town, and, um, and we went to the house. and like, oh, okay, I don't remember the fact because we were rushing that the house sat on a little hill that went down, you know, that kind of thing with the driveway. So I was like, hmm. Then so we went to the house. It was a nice house inside or whatever, just, but you just want to be sure because at that point we were living in New York, and we were living. We had not been a homeowner, and we were living in a basement apartment, two-bedroom. And uh, so we walked the house and all that stuff. And so we, you know, as our habit was, let's, before we make a full decision, let's make, let's pray and see, you know, what the Lord is saying about this. So, I can still remember this day standing in the master bedroom, looking out the bay window because there's no curtains or anything, um, and saying, uh, "Let's pray." And got, you know, and we asked God, "Is this the house that we need to buy? Is this the house that, you know, we should take this step in?" And so we prayed and. Um, so after the prayer, I said, well, what do you feel the Lord is saying to you? She said, and what she said to me was exactly what I felt him saying to me. He said, it was the first of many. I said, huh. Which was crazy because when you, those of you, how many of you are from a northern place or someplace outside of Atlanta? So when you live in more um, expensive economies, you don't, you only get one house. You live in it, you marry in it, you have kids in it, and you die in it. Okay. <laughs> you don't do what folks, you know. So we had no context for that. So that had to be God. I'm like, <laughs> so we said, all right. So we went forward with it. We got the house, whatever. We moved in. Years later when uh, it got really tight as far as not, well, eventually I'm talking about the financial tightness, but it got tight time-wise um, for me. It was, I was at a stage where I remember saying I cannot do both any longer. I cannot teach and pastor at the same time. I was, I was doing both full-time, and, it was, and they had two little kids at that point. I said, I just can't do it, so I'm going to have to figure out what I'm going to do. And I realized, well, we only came down, I came down here to plant the church, not to teach. So I had to take a step of faith. And, and so Pastor Mona, she said, you know what, I'm with it, let's do it. And so when we did it, of course, our income decreased. Now, it had already decreased. If you move from the north to the south, I told you, that first paycheck I got, I cried twice. I opened it up, this in Cobb County. I looked and I said, oh, God, it was, like, it was like like two weeks in New York. I said, oh, God. And then after I went back to my classroom, I cried all over again. You know Why?
0: I said, Pastor simon has got the same amount that I got.
1: So anyway, so we had already taken a decline, so this is a true story. So so anyway, when um, and during those days, uh, I remember when I first stepped out, people a lot of folks wouldn't know this, but I remember New Birth, um, would send, they put me on really with them for a short period and sent me, not a big amount, but something just to support during that time of which was very kind to them. And then after time went out, it was like we were in such financial duress that um, we declare bankruptcy, and I said, "Oh, whew, I don't know how we're gonna come back from this." And I realized, and you may ask, "Well, how did you get there?" It wasn't just because of la- lack of finances; it was also because of the amount of debt. And so we had been carrying a lot of debt from college and other. And, and some of y'all may not know that you may send your kids to college and don't realize when you go on college campus, you can get a credit card as easy as you can get a haircut. <laughs> they're just waiting for you in the comment center, like, you want a credit card? What's your major? Or you have to just have a decent major. And you sign it, they're going to give you credit cards. So we had enough credit cards from college, we could have paid blackjack, spade, bi- y'all yeah, ain't ready for it. We had, I'm telling you, we had doubles and triples of certain cards. <laughs> and so, and those were things that were self-inflicted, because, you, you know, when you take credit out, you don't realize that you are taking credit out on something you don't know where you're going to be in the future. And so, um, you know, so we were navigating all of that. And uh, a year later, we're having Sunday dinner, and this, somebody knocks out our door. True story. Don't even know the person by name. Knocks on our door. It turned out it was our neighbor two doors down. I said, hey, how's it going? I still don't know his name. How's it going? <laughs> he said, um, I don't know. He said, I just I came by to tell you that I feel like somebody in, somebody in your house is supposed to buy a house. I said to him, why would I buy a house? I live two houses down from you. He said, I don't know. He said, but I just feel like, yeah, yeah, you know, I feel like you need to. I said, well, you know, what? tell you what. <laughs> I said, I know somebody else that's looking for a house. I'm gonna just going to tell them. And it's another family actually in the church, and they're here still. And so I called them. I said, hey, um, I said, you know, there's a house up the street. I know y'all looking for a house. Go check it out. They went and looked at the house. They said, yeah, we all both agreed. All of us agreed. I said, would you agree? And they said, that house ain't for us. It's for you. I said, now, how are you going to agree with them that the house is for me, and I gave it to you? So we went over to the house, and we went inside, and we toured, and it was everything that we wanted. I said, who this? Ain't this something? But what about that bankruptcy? Mm. Do you know the seller said this? He said, now, he was building a house in Conyers. I still remember this clear as day. He said, "Um, how about this? You buy the house, but we're going to do lease purchase. And everything you pay a month is going to go towards your down payment. So that when you come to the table, when you're ready, and you come to the table, you don't even have to put a dollar down. I said, huh. How about we closed on the house two years later, didn't put a dollar down, got credit for the thousands and thousands of dollars that we paid. And it began a real estate business that started and sustained us for the next 10 years of multiple houses. I want you to understand this morning that even when some of the decisions you've made are the things that have set you back. Woo! Some of the things, the choices that you made have set you back. That when it was a self-inflicted setback, that even in those situations, God is able to give you a comeback. Woo! And see, what you need to understand about a comeback is a comeback is just, is, is just a comeback is a return to a more favorable state. God can do that in your life. God can do that in your life because I know that I'm not the only one. We're not the only ones that have had setbacks and things that, that we did, things that were part of our own doing. You know, maybe we signed on things we didn't need to sign because we over, we overcommitted. We had a financial setback. I understand that. Maybe maybe we gave 100% of ourselves to somebody who only gave a 50% commitment back to us, and, and now we're heartbroken. We are set back. But I want you to understand that despite even when it was your own doing, despite if it's self-inflicted or not, that even in those situations, God is able to give you a comeback. Amen. He's able and he is willing. You're going to find out this morning, I'm still following Israel on a different lens now from uh, from where we were before in our last series, but you're going to find out when you, that scripture from Jeremiah 29 and 11, is God letting them know up front, hmm Yeah, I saw when you did that, and I understand that that is what set you back. But I know the plan that I have for you. I I see you in your future. I've already scheduled your comeback. See, I'm almost shouting there myself. Do you understand that God had already scheduled it before you got set back, before anything happened to you, or before you did anything to yourself, that God has already scheduled a comeback in your future? I won't be long today, but I need y'all to pray with me. Mm. (laughs) My God, Jeremiah 29, (laughs) 1, 4 through 6 and 10 through 14. Here we go. This is the text. I want you to listen carefully. This is the text of the letter that the prophet sent from Jerusalem to the surviving elders among the exiles and to the priests. The prophets and all the people Nebuchadnezzar had carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. So he's telling you up front. It's like an introduction. I'm going to share with you. I'm putting it on, on social media. This is the letter that Jeremiah wrote that came from God to go to the exiles. Verse 4. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all of those are carried into exile from Jerusalem to My God, to Babylon. Build houses. That's an interesting thing to start off with. You just got run out of town. I'm going to make up something real quick. You just got run out of the United States into Mexico by the Soviets, and God is like, build houses. Settle down. Plant gardens. And eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give them, give your daughters in marriage, so that they too may have sons and daughters. Go on and have some grandkids. Increase in number there, do not decrease. Verse 10. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back. Somebody said, Come back. To bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you. See, now you're hearing it in context. Declares, Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Uh huh. Plans to give you what? And what? And a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. The song this morning said, withholding nothing. I will be found by you and will bring you back from captivity. Somebody said, Come back. So let's talk real quick this morning. So, if you remember from the last teaching that Israel, uh, you know, they went, I call it a spiritual timeout. When, you know, when God allowed them to be exiled out of their land, He said, Okay, and y'all, some of y'all know what this is because y'all know what your own kids. You know, when they don't want to act right. And then when they get grown, they don't want to act like <laughs> like. Not in my house. Not while I'm paying the bills. Y'all yeah, ain't going to say nothing. Not while I'm working two and a half jobs. Not when I'm covering the mortgage. and you're, you're not going to come up in my place and tear up and act up. You want to act grown, you're going to be like like that way. you going to have to go someplace else. So God said, okay, Israel, I already told you the first commandment was you were to have no other gods besides me. You're the honor of the Lord your God and have no other gods besides me. And you've already chosen to take on the pagan gods around you. You've already chosen to kick me to the side, but you forgot that this was my place. This was the land that I set aside. This is what I paid for. I paid the bills around here. So so he says, so since you don't want to listen. And since I don't send prophet after prophet after prophet, and since I've given you signs and wonders, and since I've made a way out of nowhere, and you still want to do it your way, I'm going to let you have the results of your, the consequences of your actions. And so he says, all right, so when the Babylonians rise up, he's going to let them take them off in exile. So they're going on a spiritual timeout. So they go away for 70 years. That's a long timeout. And it was because of the sin of Israel. And sin can be broken into two categories. There's the sin of commission. Those are the things that that we commit. Those are the things that we do with our own, you know, we do the wrong thing. We do the thing that we shouldn't do. But there's also the sin of omission. That's not doing the thing that we should do. So as an example, a sin of omission might be when the Scripture says to honor your parents, that you might have a long life. But if I don't honor them, I've omitted to do something that I should have done. And so how many times have the things that God told us not to do, and I want to see if there's anybody in the room that can say they've never done this, how many times have the things that God told you not to do are the very things that you found yourself doing? Anybody been there before? Anybody never visited that address before? Okay, we're all in the same boat
0: then. How many times has God told you to do something and you should have done it, but you didn't do it? And sometimes, when God tells us to do things and we don't do it, and sometimes when
1: God tells us to do not to do th- tells us to do things we don't do and tells us not to do something that we do it, it brings us into a place of a setback in our own life. Sometimes it's my own choosing. Sometimes it's my own decision. Sometimes I should have got up and exercise, but I didn't. And then you're looking at the blood pressure and saying, "Oh God." I sure did. I just came from a deep place. Amen? <laughs> <laughs> and so you know Israel State from the last series. If you follow that Israel is now exiled from their land. And and uh, they marched. They have marched. This just really bothered me when I thought about it because we moved over 900 miles to come to Atlanta. <laughs> they marched. You ready? 1,000. No car. No Amtrak. No American Airlines. A thousand miles to the exile. And by the way, this is all historical. You can find all of this in history. And so, but here's the part I want you to get Who is the letter written to? Mm. Mm. I want you to capture this. I mean, I could tell you, but I'm going to tell you. Because y'all are going to make us go over time this morning. Amen. (laughs) Mm. Let me read it for you. It's right in the second line. Sent from Jerusalem to the, oh, not just any kind of elders. Not just the elderly elders. Not just the church elders. But what kind of elders are we talking about? Surviving elders. Ooh, that's a big one. Not just the surviving elders, but surviving elders to the priests who survived, the prophets who survived, uh, and all the other people who survived Nebuchadnezzar's exile, pushing them into a foreign land. This Letter inside of a book, inside of Jeremiah's book is a record of a letter that was sent to survivors. Because what you need to understand is that when that thousand mile journey started, there were some folks that didn't
0: make it to the other side. Not everybody that went through it came out of it. And I need you to understand that not everybody that went through what you went through survived. There's some folks that went that went through the same divorce and did not survive it. There's some folks that went through the same breakdown and did not survive it. There's some folks who went through the same homelessness and did not survive it. Some folks went through the same incarceration as you and did not survive it. There some folks who went through heartbreak and didn't survive it. But this morning, God is talking to survivors that have been through something, that have gone through some consequences, that have gone through some hard times, that have hit the rock bottom, that have had the hell against the wall and he's saying to you I know the plans that I have for you I have scheduled a comeback in your future are there any survivors in the house you don't look like what you went through (laughs) to the survivors this series is for survivors The
1: things that we don't talk about—that we survived. Some survived rape and molestation, but not everybody did. Some have survived breakdowns, but not everybody did. Some have survived depression, but not everybody did. Young lady, uh, Miss Universe, who was Miss America, not America. USA. I knew she's one of them. Didn't survive. But this morning, I'm talking to survivors. Yes. Woo! Woo! Jesus, survivors, survivors, survivors. Some of you survived domestic abuse. Survivors. Some of you survived homelessness. Survivors. Some of you survived the worst loss in, 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 imaginable. Survivors. This letter is for survivors, letting you know you're not hopeless, but that you have a hope and a future. That God has scheduled to come back in your future. Now, you may not be where you want to be right now. You may not be in the place you want
0: to be right now. Things may not be going your way right now, but you survived. And I need you just to celebrate for a moment. That you survived. I need you to think for a moment about what you survived. Sometimes only you and God know what you survived, but I need you to take a moment right now and thank God I survived. Ooh. Ooh. It tried to take me out, but I survived. I had suicidal thoughts, but I survived. Wanted to throw in the towel, but I survived. You left me, but I survived. I was fatherless but I survived I was one of the ones who did Oh, God. Thank you, God. I was one of the
1: ones that survived. Survived. And so what he's letting them know, because what you don't know that I'm going to tell you right now, is that this that Jeremiah is writing to them, this letter, I'm going to call it a love letter, this letter from God that he's writing to them, was not at the end of the 70 years it was after they just arrived at the front end at the front end, knowing what they were gonna go through once they got there but at the front end and so he's letting them know that even though things are tough and even though things are gonna be hard for a little while that's not the end of the rope that's not the end of the road that he's letting them know watch this that I know you right now feel disqualified. I know you think that because you went bankrupt, you're disqualified. I know you think because you went to jail, you're disqualified. I know you think because it ended in divorce, you're disqualified. But I need you to understand that that that, that setback has not disqualified you, it actually qualified you for a comeback. Oh, you missed that. Because Israel would, feel, would have felt pretty ashamed at that point. They'd have felt pretty hopeless at that point. They'd have felt like it could never come back at that point. But instead, he's letting them out front. Uh-uh. no. No. The, you survived the you setback, you're pre-qualified for a comeback. You are to shout, I'm pre-qualified. I am pre-qualified. I don't care about Visa, MasterCard,
0: American or Discovered. God, I'm pre-qualified for a comeback. You have pre-qualified me because you allowed me to survive, and you've allowed even the, the mistakes in my life, even the bad decisions in my life, even the self-inflicted setbacks, you said have qualified me, not have disqualified. They have quite qualified me for a comeback. Mm. Thank you. But
1: the letter is not just to survivors. It says it this way. From Jerusalem to the surviving elders... And among the exiles unto the priests, prophets, and all the people of Nebuchadnezzar had carried away. This is what the Lord God Almighty says to Israel: To those that I carried in Jerusalem, going down, because He tells them, He says in verse fourteen, and it's also further up as well. But He says, "And I will bring you back from captivity." It's not just the people who survived; it's also it's the same people. It's two, two categories, but the same people. Because these people, Israel now as a nation, was not just the people who survived. So let me see if I can use a, 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 an analogy. So just think but This is true. A lot of people don't realize that coming from the transatlantic slave route, that a lot, and some say more, didn't make it than that landed here, that made it. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Some were thrown overboard, some died of disease, just some, not everybody survived. But then when you got here, you were a survivor, but you were also a captive. Ironically, this letter is not written just to survivors, but to captives too. Because the ones who survived were also the same ones that were captives. Oh, y'all ain't going to say nothing, I need some help this morning. And so when you're a captive, you're in a situation that you can't get out of. You find yourself in a situation that you can't just break free. I'm talking to somebody this morning. You're in a situation, maybe a financial situation, that you're captive to, that you can't get out, or a legal situation that you're captive to and you can't get out. Maybe it's a relationship. Where's Jada at? An entanglement.
0: Yay. <laughs> <Hey. laughs> that you can't get out of. Hmm.
1: Well, Jada need the word too, y'all. She need the word.
0: Hmm.
1: <laughs> and sometimes we're captives to addictions that we cannot break. To toxic relationships. It could be the same person you break up, you get back together. You break up, you get back together. You break up, you get back together. Break up. Y'all can jump in at any point. Get back together. You break up. Uh huh. Some of y'all in it right now. Sometimes we're captives to a temptation. It's like kryptonite. You're doing just fine until you see that kryptonite. And whatever that temptation is, look like whenever it shows up, you find yourself falling for it. And every time you get up, it seems like you're weaker again from the last time that you fell. Captive. Some of us are captive to our own self-talk. Had an experience, a situation happened to you, and now that self-talk, you double-guessing, second-guessing, re-going back and forth over the same thing. Every time you got to make a decision or do something, you find yourself captive just to your own self-talk. You don't argue yourself out of an argument. But I like what he says here. He says, and I, and I will bring you back from captivity. And I want you to just go on and write this down. No matter what's holding you captive, God can give you a comeback. Oh, I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. God said, I ain't even worried about it. He said, because see, if I could do for Israel with the superpower of its day, if I can remove Babylon to deliver my people, If I can remove Babylon and bring them down to bring you back, God said, I know how to set you free. It don't matter if you got yourself entangled. It don't matter if it's because of your own decisions that you found yourself in captivity. God says, I can take on the superpower in your life. I can take on that thing, that kryptonite in life. I can take on that thing, that mountain that's so big
0: in your life and still bring you back out of captivity, deliver you from addiction, deliver you from from making the wrong decisions, deliver you out of the wrong relationships. God is able to bring you back out of captivity. Any witnesses here that you were captive once, you were bound once, and God sets you free from things you never thought you'd ever be delivered of. I came this morning to let you know that whatever's binding you this morning, we're going to trust God to break that thing during the course of this campaign to deliver you, to set you free, and give you a testimony.
1: You say, but you don't know how long I have been dealing with. You don't know how long this thing has been a thing in my life. But I want you to know that God has told Israel and He's telling you the same thing at the front end of a very long time, 70 years. and I don't think whatever you deal, anybody been dealing with the same exact thing for 70 years? Not quite all right. <laughs> Somebody else says, "Getting close though." <laughs> <laughs> he's letting them know <laughs> that he's telling him up front because he's already in their future. And you know, God lives outside of time. Y'all know that, right? Time is here, and God is here. So it's like, mm, I'm in your future, and I can tell. Whew, right around year 20, y'all are gonna think that mm, it ain't never gonna change. and Then year 30, you're gonna convince yourself. And the year 40, you're gonna have a word of confirmation. Yeah, I don't think it's gonna change ta- me either. You know how it is when you talk to other folks that are down at the same time you down. He says, so I'm going to give you a head start and let you know up front that I still have a plan for you, and I've already scheduled your comeback. And watch this. He's letting them know that when they, for when they get to a point that they don't believe that it's possible for them because of how much time has gone by, he's letting them know, and he's letting you know this too, that it's not too late. It's not too late. You may feel like it's too late. It may seem like it's too late. You may wonder if it's too late. But he's letting you know it's not too late. What, Pastor? You don't know how far things have gone. It
0: couldn't be any worse. It's like light in day, life. In death, north, y'all can jump in, and south. You don't know how far things are. It just couldn't be any further away from ever coming
1: together in my life. I can't see how. And he's letting them know, and he's letting you know too this morning that if He can tell Israel, yeah, I know you done took a thousand mile journey without Amtrak and without American Airlines.
0: He says, but I will bring you back. I will give you a comeback because watch this. It's not too far. You're not too far. You're not too far. You're not too
1: far. You're not too far. Some of you feel like you're too far. I'm too far behind in my bills. I'll never come back. You're not too far. It's too far gone on my spouse. It's not too far. My health is so bad,
0: it's too far gone. It's not too far.
1: God has not changed his mind about Israel. And that's what the scripture means. It says the gifts of God and the call of God comes without repentance. It literally means God ain't changed his mind. I'm not taking back the gift and the call I placed on you. That's on you. It doesn't change. God has not changed his mind about you. He said he tells them, after seven years are completed, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise. God sells a plan. God sells a promise. How many people believe that this morning, though? I'm almost done, but I will tell you the big thing that we struggle from, even when we hear that scripture, is, mm, but I don't see how it's going to work out. You've been looking at my notes. you got to trust. <laughs> yeah, we want to know the plan. It's like, okay, God got a plan. Okay, fill me in. Uh-huh. So we want to know how, when, where. We want to know all that. And he said, oh, I know the plan that I have. He didn't say, I'm going to tell you the plan. He said, I know the plan that I have for you. And so because I don't know the plan, sometimes I can find myself worrying, stressing. Doubting, discouraged, because I don't know the plan. And I want to know the plan, and God wants me to trust Him. He wants me to trust Him. He wants me to trust Him in His plan. You know, when you travel these days, if you don't know where you're going, you put in your GPS. A destination. And when you put the destination in the GPS, the GPS immediately forms a route plan. And I don't know about y'all, but when I'm driving and I put the directions in, I don't have time or the ability because I'm driving to keep my eyes on the road to go back and to look at all the turns up front. I don't do that. But because I trust the GPS, I don't have to see all the plan. All I got to do is hear the GPS say, go to the next light and make a right. Light turn. Go th- now these days they're telling you, go to the next right and the first street on the left. I'm like, ooh, y'all getting better. <laughs> and somebody upgraded y'all. Got a raise. <laughs> And and then you know stops. You know sometimes because there's things that come in our way. Sometimes that we can't see ahead of time. And sometimes it will have traffic or or be an accident. Say make a video off to a whole another way. Well, what I found out is this: I don't need to know the plan if I'm near the planner. All I got to do is hear his voice. All I got to do is stay near. The planner. I don't have to know all the lefts and the rights because it will overwhelm me anyway. But if I can just hear the voice
0: of the planner, I don't really have to know the plan because I trust the planner. Now when I hear his voice, I know when to make a left, when to stop, when to pull over, when to continue straight forward. There's things in our lives that we'll never know. And it's not that we're called to know. He wants you to
1: trust him and to stay near him. You know, the end result for Israel was not coming out of Babylon. That was the consequence of his sin. The end result of Israel that he had for them was coming back in covenant relationship with him. He said, because ultimately what he wanted was, and then you will call upon me and I will hear you. He said, then you'll seek me with your whole heart and I'll be found. You know, God likes to play hide and seek. He said, you'll seek me with your heart and then I'll let you find me. Then you'll call upon me and I will answer you. See, it wasn't about Babylon or Israel being back in the promised land. That's that's a side effect of being in right relationship with God because I'm going to tell you this, that your comeback in your life doesn't come from getting your finances in order. It doesn't come from getting your bank account in order. don't come from you trying to get your family
0: in order. don't come from you trying to get your career in order. It comes by getting your spirit man to come back first. If your spirit can come back with Christ, if your spirit can come back in his word, if your spirit comes back in covenant, if your spiritual man is in right relationship, else will begin to fall in place in your life. He wants to give you a comeback, but he wants it to be spiritual first so you can really have the all the results you're looking for. Y'all come on up.
1: This is our time as a church where we're setting some stuff aside. We don't have a lot of things going on in this season except for what we're doing on Sundays and what we're doing And our eye, so that we can focus on our spiritual growth. Because if that's not right, nothing else matters. I'll drop it anyway. I'll make the same decisions again over again anyway. I'll I'll self-sabotage again anyway. But if I can get my spirit right, my comeback is right around the corner. There was. Y'all can stand on your feet this morning. There was um, a father who had the TV on. Serena was playing a game, but she was down in the tennis match. And the father said, the daughter comes in the room, the daughter said, oh, man, I can't believe Serena's losing. Oh, gosh, I hope that she wins. I hope that she comes. He said, oh, don't worry. She has to come back and wins. He said, she said, how do you know that? He said, because this is a replay. I haven't watched it the first time. It happened already three hours ago. Hmm. Your father stands outside of time. He already knows what's coming in the future. For him, it's just a replay. You don't have to know the whole plan. All you got to know is how it ends. And it ends with a Hope. And it ends with the future. And it ends with all things work together. Even the self things, inflicted things. All things work together for them that love the Lord and are called according to his plan.